Lord, we thank you for tonight. We come in Jesus' name and through his blood. We just thank you for an open heaven. And your glory is awesome in this place. Well, I just feel the presence of God. Lord, I thank you for speaking through me tonight everything that needs to be said. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit moving upon every one of us that's going to be listening or watching. I thank you by the Spirit. Lord, every one of us captivate, give you our best ear, our full attention, our full attention, our focus. Our minds will not wander. We will be good soil for what God is saying to us. As Jesus said, the word is like seed that needs to go in good soil. I thank you for the Holy Spirit preparing the soil of our lives even now. As you speak through me, living seeds of truth that are sown into good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. Lord, we submit this unto you. We resist the devil. Jesus said the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So, Lord, we bind anything of the enemy right now that would try in any way to steal this seed or hinder this. We commit to be bound and back off right now in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I thank you for your angels just clearing that out. And the winds of your Holy Spirit are going to carry this where it needs to go. And we stand on that promise. Your word will not return void, but will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. Lord, we thank you for it, and we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I must ask as little moving around as possible, help me preach this tonight. This is a really important word, somewhat prophetic for River of Life. When Brother John was with us, he felt that we were just right at the breakthrough. The picture that he gave me was this, that we were like the children of Israel that had gone through a process and, and been prepared. But as now, now we were standing at the Jordan with Joshua standing there ready to cross the Jordan into the promised land. We were just right at that. He felt that, and he felt that the, um, the facility was right just very near, that we need to go from here to the next place, and God's working that out. And also that there would be a season of suddenly, just pow, 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 answer prayers, things would start happening. And I believe that's the case, what I shared with the church. And this sermon tonight, I'll put it out for public consumption, but because I believe it can be a blessing to anybody that hears it just because the content can apply to anyone. But really, there's a, a prophetic element to this that is more for River of Life. So that's where I'm coming from tonight. And so, anyway, we're right at that place, right at the breakthrough, and the season of suddenlies, answered prayers, things have begun. And so, with that said, what I'm going to talk about tonight is, I would entitle this, The Stirring of God at Times of Change. And I'll open with Romans 1.11, but where I'm going with this will be Deuteronomy 32, starting with verse 8, and... God speaks to us in the scripture, and what the Lord will do is he'll take some things that are in the natural, but he'll use them in a way to um, have spiritual application that exceeds just the natural. And what I mean is this. I'll give you some examples. Do you remember when the Bible says that he will um, basically grease our paths with butter? Well, I mean, literally, we know what butter is, and what that's saying it says, as the milk of the word churns in us, turns into butter, that that will cause our way to become smooth. So there's things that are figurative. Another, another scripture comes to mind is you'll suck honey from the rock. And we know that honey doesn't come out of rocks, but God's using something here. If you understand what he's saying, it's like going up to the heights. And we know Jesus is the rock, and we know honey is the promises of God 
And so you see what I'm saying? He uses things in the natural, but there's a figurative metaphor in it. And so that's, this scripture is somewhat like that. But the first thing I would say tonight is this. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 1.11, For I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift that you may be established or uh, make you strong. And I, I did a study on that one time because God really touched me back in the 90s. And I mean, when I say that, I don't mean just some little thing. There was a really significant impartation in my life. It was life-altering. And there was a man who is, was prophetic in my life. He's gone home to be with the Lord. But he told me at the time, he said to me, Scott, the anointing on your life is mature, but you are not mature yet. And this is probably 96, 97. I think 97 when he told me this. He said, you're not mature yet. But he said, don't worry because the anointing will mature you. And that, man, that really stayed with me. And that's, that can be applied in this scripture. The way that this can read is this. I long to be with you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift, some kind of an impartation that will take you to a place of strength. So many times we will receive from the Lord an impartation of the anointing, but that anointing will begin to work in us to change us and develop us and make us strong. Does that make sense? But it is a process. So a lot of people don't realize that there's something in you through the laying on of hands that is taking you to a place of strength, that is sanctifying your life, that is maturing you, changing you. Why? Because it's not just like a thing, that's it, but it's the Holy Spirit in us, the anointing, the power of God that is developing us and strengthening us and changing us. Amen? And so on the out, outset of this uh, conference, the outworking of the impartation, I believe that is what is in us is going to take us to a place of great strength. All right, so Deuteronomy, this is where I'm coming to, Deuteronomy 32, verse 8. So I'm going to read this and then try my best to explain this. Deuteronomy 32, starting with verse 8. It says, When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance and he separated the sons of mankind, he set boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel, which is interesting. Think about it. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. He found him in the desert land and in the howling wasteland of a wilderness. He encircled him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Now, this is where I'm going. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, you see stir up, hover, spreads his wings, he caught them, he carried them on his pinions. The Lord alone will guide him, and there is no foreign God with him. But there's five different things here. It says that first off, the Lord found him and encircled him and protect him, okay? But here's the five things. The eagle stirs, the eagle hovers, spreads his wings, caught them, and carried them. Five things. And so there's a stirring of God during times of change, okay? So please give me your best ear, your focus tonight, because this is important. 
He had him ride on high places of the earth, verse 13. He had him ride on the high places of the earth. And he ate the produce of the field. He had him suck honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock, curds of the herd and milk of the flock, with the fat of lambs and rams, the breed of Bashan and of the goats, the best of the wheat, and drink the wine of the blood of the grapes. So you see here the picture is that the Lord found this group of people, encircled them, protected them, and all that. But then you see the Lord uses this eagle situation. And the eagle, the five characteristics there, and then it talks about entering into the promises of God, sucking honey from the rock, etc., eating the, uh, the fat of the land, prosperity. That's a picture and type of coming into your promised land. Do you see that? Let me say that again. The Lord found them in the wilderness, so that's like the beginning. And then there's this five stages I'm going to go through tonight, process of preparation. Then you see that they come into their promised land, okay, where there's the wheat, uh, there's the, the fruit of the vine, there's the fat of the land, the prosperity, coming into the inheritance, okay? All right. So a couple things here I'd like to point out. Again, some of this is literal and it really is the activity of eagles, and some of it is figurative. So the eagle, how many knows that eagles like the heights? So they go up to a very high place. The nest is, the first, is first built with briars. So the eagle will find a very high place to perch. And then the eagle will begin to gather in a bunch of briars. And these briars are, are prickly. Sometimes they'll have thorns. They obviously would be very uncomfortable. But these briars are, are tied together, so to speak, into some kind of a circle, some kind of a nest that this eagle is making. So the very first thing is these briars. They're very uncomfortable. And so then the eagle will begin to gather in other things. Maybe because of the food that it killed and brought, it has skins that it will uh, put around those briars. So you have different types of skins. Maybe it found things like paper or soft downy feathers, whatever. But that eagle will begin to put around those briars, around the nest. He'll put around things that, or she will, that's soft so that the little eaglets will be comfortable. Now, here's the five-point process. After the Lord finds us and he encircles us and protects us, there's going to be a process that all of us go through. And this process, I'm going to call this tonight the eagle stirring up its nest. This process is something that applies to all stages of life. How many knows that there's times of change? In the river of life, we're in a time right now of great, significant change. That's why God has me preaching this. And so the first thing the eagle will do once the eggs hatch and the little eaglets are in the nest, they're in a soft, comfortable place. The mama eagle goes out, brings food to the little eaglets. I mean, they haven't made. But at some point in time, mama eagle knows that the little eaglets have got to grow up and they themselves have got to learn how to fly They've got to learn how to hunt for their survival because mama knows that she can't do this the rest of their lives. 
So when it's time for change, here's something that God will do. Number one, just like the mama eagle, begins to stir up the nest. And what that means is mama eagle has got to get those little eaglets where they're going to leave the nest. So mama eagle's got to start making things uncomfortable. And she'll begin to remove all those soft downy feathers and paper and skins and all those different things that have padded that nest. Now that nest is no longer a very comfortable place. When they move around, they're getting poked and prodded. They're uncomfortable. And let me tell you that for everybody that's hearing this, this is why I'm going to make this for public consumption because I think this, is, this concept can speak to people. Again, some of this is natural, and it's literally the way that eagles function, but some of it's figurative. Now, there are people out there that are in different stages of life, and why would God stir up a nest? Number one, there are some people out there that are simply not doing what God has called them to do. God's hand is on them. I can think of people off the top of my head. I can think of quite a few, at least five or six, just off the top of my head, that I know for a fact that God has called them into the ministry. God anointed them. His hand was on them for ministry, yet they are not in the ministry. So in other words, they're in disobedience. Other people, they may not be called but their life is outside the will of God, whatever that means. Maybe they've backslidden some and they've allowed some things in that don't need to be there. Other people have simply just missed God and they're living outside of his will in life. Also, I would say that some, as I previously just mentioned actually, but some have compromised and they have unresolved issues in their life and they know it. They have compromised their godly convictions, and therefore, in that respect, they're out of the will. Some have forsaken the move of God to appease their flesh. I would say that is pretty common today. We had a great move of God in the 80s, especially into the 90s, early 2000s, and there were people so on fire for God. But now, as the revivals waned, and I believe we're on the cusp of another move, but many have forsaken the move of God to appease their flesh. And I'm not saying this disrespectfully, but that's why some of the ministries out there are so prospering because it appeases man's flesh. It's all about entertaining them. It's all about making it what they want. That's even the words that's used to describe everything is all about what the flesh wants, you see. And that's why they're flourishing because people have abandoned the move of God to appease their flesh. And also, not everything about this stirring the nest is necessarily negative. Another reason God will stir the nest is just simply time for change. That's it. It's not that it's a bad thing. With some people it is, but with others it's not. I think of the prophet Elijah. God had him basically pray, and a famine came on the land. But Elijah was taken to the brook Cherub where he was fed and he had water and he was well taken care of until the brook dried up. That wasn't 
a negative thing. Elijah was right in the center of God's will. He was a righteous man. He was doing right. It was just simply time for change. You see what I'm saying? So the brook dries up. So Elijah then goes and he finds the woman with the, uh, you know, she had to make a, the bread and all that. And it supernaturally, the oil didn't run out, all of that. But the point is, is that he was at a place there where what God was once doing, he stopped and now it was going to be a new season in his life. He had to believe God where he was at for the ravens to feed him. But where he was going, God was going to use a person to feed him. And it just wouldn't run out. It just supernaturally kept multiplying, see. So there are seasons of change. Another way God will stir up the nest is to do a deep work in us, to deeply sanctify us unto God. Sometimes God will allow warfare and trials, and he will allow our nest to get stirred up, but it's, it's a process of God refining us like gold in the fire. So it's not a bad thing. What I'm trying to get at is the nest will be stirred up by God for some people because they are in compromise or they are out of the will of God. And so God has to stir their nest and make things very uncomfortable for them. But other people are right in the middle of God's will. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. God's going to stir up your nest either because it's time for great change or he's trying to do a deep, profound work in you, okay? And so an eagle stirring the nest. So this is where God begins to remove the uncomfortable things in life. How many people have ever been through this process where all of a sudden it feels that you were in a very comfortable place, and then all of a sudden things of comfort begin to be removed, and it feels like things become very uncomfortable. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, if you're out of the will of God, it may be, but for those in River of Life, I'm speaking now to River of Life, this is not a bad thing. God has been preparing us. The stirring of the nest has been going on for some time, to do a deep, profound work in us, to teach us and train us and get us ready. But the nest has been stirred because it's time for great change. And we all feel it. We know it. It's just like Elijah. The brook dries up. It's time. I remember when the children of Israel entered the promised land. They had known a certain thing in the wilderness. They knew the manna. They knew the water from the rock. They had certain provision, but when they crossed the Jordan, the Bible says the manna stopped. No longer were they getting water from a rock. It was a new season for a new day that God was going to provide through another way. It's time. And God has been stirring up the nest for River of Life for a little while now. We sense it, we know. The second thing here. And she hovers over her young. The eagle will rise up. Some of these eagles are huge. I don't know if you've ever looked up and studied about eagles, but there are some that can have the wingspan about the length of a bus. And this eagle will rise up and pull out the powerful wings like this and will brood over her young, showing power. And let me tell you, the fluttering of the wings like this in the word, uh, in the Bible, it, I can't help but think about 
when the Bible says that God, the Holy Spirit, was brooding at creation, the Holy Spirit was brooding over, remember that? Brooding over the waters. Why? Because it was time for change. Things were a certain way. Now, God was about to do a new thing. So the Holy Spirit was brooding, but the word there for brood is rakaf, and it means to hover, move, shake, or flutter. It's almost like a vibrating motion. And the, the eagle, the mama eagle will rise up. These little eaglets are there, and they're looking at mama, and mama begins to spread her wings and show her great power and strength in those wings as she begins to flutter those wings over them. And you know what that is? That's Mama Eagle saying this, I've removed your comfort, I've stirred up your nest, and I know that you're uncomfortable, but it's okay because I'm here with you. And how many knows when God begins to remove the comforts, just like Elijah, the brook dries up, things become uncomfortable in the natural, but at the same time, it seems like God begins to move by his spirit, though, in our lives. In the natural Things will become very uncomfortable at a time of change, but in the spiritual, the Holy Spirit begins to blow in so strong. And just like that, that mama eagle fluttering her wings, it creates like a wind. And let me tell you, God will blow his wind upon us and comfort us, and he wants to let us know, I'm here with you. And not only that, but the eagle hovering over the young speaks also of God not only breathing on us, but a fresh anointing for the next season. How many knows that we don't need yesterday's anointing in today's season? We need a fresh anointing for this new season that we're coming into. And so Mama Eagle stirs up the nest, makes it uncomfortable, but she begins to brood over that nest, and, and there's a gentle breeze. Number three, it says she spreads apart her wings. This has to do with its time. The comfort is gone, but it's time for those eaglets to begin to leave that nest. And Mama Eagle would now spread her powerful wings, show her power to get them off the briars and onto her wings. Now it's time as she spreads out her wings, she stirred the nest, she hovered. Now she's saying to the baby eaglets, climb on my wings because now we're going to go for a ride. I'm going to begin to teach you how to get out of the nest and begin to soar for yourself. And the baby eaglets, they see how mama soars. They see how she flies and how she hunts, etc. And they're riding with her. And they begin to, to soar with her. Is this making sense tonight? And there's actually people that have reported that watch eagles that have said that some of the young sometimes have actually ridden upon the wings of the mama. Number four, she takes them on her wings. She's teaching them to soar. Now mama's having those eaglets get on the wings, and she takes them for a ride. If they get tired or fly to fly themselves, they'll ride on her. They'll lean on her. Then she'll come back and put them on the briars. So she stirs up the nest. She hovers over the nest. Now she's beginning to take them out of the nest and begin to take them with her to ride with her, to soar with her. And she does that for a little while, and then she'll bring them back, and she's putting them back in the nest that's uncomfortable. 
She doesn't want them to return to the way it was. She's simply trying to show them what the next season, she's getting them ready for the next season of life. And number five, and this is really powerful, catch the winds of the storm, to soar above it. There's five descriptive terms here. Stirring up the nest to make it uncomfortable, hovering, the brooding, the breathing, so to speak, the fresh anointing, spreading the wings out, great demonstration of power, then catching them on the wings, learning to fly. They're riding on mama, carried them on the pinions. But she'll bring them back and put them in there. But here's what is interesting about an eagle. An eagle can do this. An eagle can get out there and fly. And when the storm is coming in, an eagle can actually, you know how a storm will blow in, there's kind of a strong, violent wind. An eagle can actually catch that wind and go up above the storm, you see. How many knows that we need to learn to do that? Whenever there's storms, that's what this whole process is. God's wanting us to learn how to handle things better than we used to handle it. So he'll stir up a nest, and he'll put you through a process of training you. He'll brood over you. There'll be a fresh anointing. He'll take you out of the nest and let you begin to go with the Lord and go through different types of battles, different types of training. And then he'll bring you back to the uncomfortable nest. But all of this is preparation so that when things come, as you cross the Jordan into your promised land and you start moving into your destiny and the devil starts sending storms your way, he doesn't want you to handle it like you used to. People used to go into a depression. People used to have pity parties. People they used to handle things by getting offended and bitter or handle it a different, or, or take matters in their own hand and handle it in the flesh. He doesn't want us to do that anymore. He wants you now that you learn how to actually catch the wind and it take you above it, that you soar above it on kingdom principles. Another interesting thing about an eagle is an eagle has vision that's unbelievable. They can see a great distance. I mean, they can be way up there, and they can see prey extremely far away. But also about eagles, if they need to escape a predator, they can actually fly directly into the sun. I don't know if you knew that. I'm not saying all eagles can do that, but there are eagles that can do that. The way that they get away from danger is they will fly directly into the sun, and anything that's after them can't go into the sun because it's blinding their eyes and they can't see them. They lose them in the sun. So we learn how to soar above the storms. We learn how to fly into the Son of God. We learn how to fly into the sun. Whenever the predators come, whenever the enemy's trying to come against us, we learn how to press into the Lord, into the light of his glory, so that things that have been after us can't follow us. But as long as people are getting into bitterness, they're getting into strife, they're handling things the way the world would, they're down here in a low level where demonic spirits traffic. But if they can learn, how to catch those winds of the storm and actually catch it and go up to a higher place of forgiveness and humility, 
in love and operating in kingdom principles and also going toward the Lord and drawing near him, things cannot follow them into that. They're above it. Can somebody please deal with that? Catch the winds. Also, we all know that there's times in life that you're going along and it's like the rug is snatched out from under you. But God is teaching you how to handle those things. That's the whole thing with Israel. You see this pattern with Israel. And the pattern, number one, the call of God to Abraham. So that's where God began everything, okay? Then Joseph took them to the land of Goshen. And Israel comes in there and they, they prospered. I mean, they, they grew in number, but it was literally like a nest that was padded. Goshen was a beautiful place. And it was obviously a place where their flocks and herds could grow. They themselves had a great number of children. They prospered there. But then there was a Pharaoh that arose that did not know Joseph. And all of a sudden, God begins to remove all the comforts of the nest. And they begin to feel the, the briars. Now it's becoming very uncomfortable in Egypt. Why? Because God is beginning a process because he's going to call them out of there. It's, a, it's change. But the thing is, this is over a period of years. See, in America, many people view things. I, I heard this example from a minister, and I thought it was really good. We, we only see such a small amount. You know, when there's a parade that's going, this was the analogy. If there was a long, huge parade that's going back maybe several, several blocks. You know, if you were up in a drone or something and you were seeing that from that aerial view, you can see the beginning and the end. You can see everything. But most people are standing there and they're only seeing just a little bit of it. And then more will come and they'll see a little bit more that's in front of them. But they don't see the beginning, the end. They don't see the big picture. They only see that. And the truth is that God begins this process many times years before the actual change. Everybody say years. This is not something like all of a sudden the brook dries up and things are going to be totally different tomorrow. That's what everybody thinks. And they can get disillusioned because years pass. No, this isn't something that's quick. And so a Pharaoh arose and God began to stir up the nest. It's uncomfortable now. But eventually, Moses came. And that's like the eagle hovering over the young the brooding over, showing the might. It's like the wind of the Lord blowing, the comfort. When Moses came in, it brought comfort to God's people. They're seeing, you know, like the eagle, they see mama bird up there, wingspan, strong, knowing that mama's with them. And the, the gentle breeze on them. In the same way when Moses showed up, they felt God is with us. They felt the strength of that. Then the plagues come, and that's just like the great power that that eagle displays. God was showing through the plagues the spreading of the wings to show great power and authority. And then you see the change come. The night of Passover, 
the Red Sea, the wilderness. Now God was carrying them on his wings. You see that? Now they're getting out of the nest. They're riding on the wings of the Lord through the Red Sea into the wilderness. But finally, in the end, they cross into the promised land through Joshua. But do you see that this was several years' process? In the same way for River of Life, there's been a birth in River of Life. And this, again, what I'm saying here is just for us. So anybody else listening to this that's not in this ministry, this, this part may not apply to you per se. But God births River of Life and the fires of revival. At the time, at the very beginning of all this, I was, I was helping out with Steve Hill's ministry in Dallas, and he laid hands on me, sent me out like an extension to the east. Primarily, it was evangelism. It was definitely not a church, but we did have to meet. Sometimes, a lot of times, we met at my house, but we had to meet other places. And people were getting saved, and it was a really powerful move of God. And the nest there was, was uh, very comfortable, what God was doing. But then, it's like horrible warfare began to come. Horrendous warfare, not just against us, but against the region. And this warfare was like the nest being stirred. All of a sudden, the comforts leave. We're feeling the briars of things getting very difficult. Through that warfare, we know Brother Steve took sick and didn't recover from it. Many other ministries in the area had to shut their doors. Some lost revival. Some families were destroyed. Some ministries were destroyed. Revival is very, very few and far between in this region anymore. But God has been with us. Just like the children of Israel, you know, Goshen, the Pharaoh rose up that didn't know the briars. It's uncomfortable. In the same way, we've been here and it hasn't really been comfortable. But yet... The Lord is his wings spread. He's been breathing on us, blowing on us. He's showing himself mighty. And then God brought someone like a John Davis coming in here. There's a few others. Brother Holt, there's others. And kind of like when Moses came in and God shows the wingspan, he shows his great power. God's been showing his power. And feeling the comfort like Israel did, they felt comfortable when Moses came in, that, that God was with them, and, and they felt the comfort of that, the strength of that. In the same way, we have felt people coming in, we felt comforted and strengthened by them coming in. And God also has been spreading his wingspan. He's been showing his power, demonstrations of power in our midst. People healed of things, people delivered, the power of God coming down. He's taken us through the wilderness. We've been riding on his wings, his pinions. We've been with him. We've, he's carried us. He's seen us through it. Where others didn't necessarily survive the warfare in the wilderness, God in his incredible grace and mercy has seen us through it. And now here we are at a season of great change where now we're standing before the Jordan and it's time to cross the Jordan. But it's something that only God can do. Only God, when, when Joshua and them were at the Jordan, you know, it was overflowing its banks, and, and here they were. They knew that they had to cross, but it was something only God could do. 
And so Joshua had the priest carry the ark on their shoulders, and they went out before everybody else. And when their feet went into the Jordan River, God, just like the Red Sea, again, here's another, God parted the Jordan to the right and to the left. In other words, God had to make a supernatural way in. But once Israel crossed into the promised land, then it was a new season, a new day. No longer was the rock putting out water. No longer was there manna. Now they had to trust God to give them victory in war, that they would take cities. They were going to take houses they didn't build. They were going to take vineyards they didn't plant, wells they didn't dig. They were going to go in and take the promised land that God had for them. And that's what I feel for River of Life as I've spent time with Brother John this last week. I feel that that's where we are. God has stirred our nest over the last several years. Horrible warfare, but God has, has spread his wings. He's shown his power to us. He's breathed on us. He's brought comfort. He's brought the right people in our midst. We've gone through the wilderness as we've ridden the wings of the Lord, his pinions. But now it's time for change. It's time to come into that. But it's something only God can do. And when Joshua spoke to the people about crossing the Jordan, he said, you have not gone this way before. You're going to have to trust the Lord. See, it's a new season, a new day. God's doing a new thing. But we haven't gone this way before. So we're going to have to really stay close to the Lord, and we're going to have to move with him because we haven't been this way before. It's a new thing that you haven't experienced. And we're going to have to trust the Lord. He's going to have to help us with this new season. But I believe revival, like never before, is about to break loose. I believe that God's moving us geographically from where we are to the next place. And when we get there, I believe there's an intense move of God that's about to hit. And there's a harvest that's going to come in. And there's supernatural provision God has for us. It's time. The cloud the size of a man's hand is already beginning to be seen. It is time. And this process God's been doing over years for, this, this, for such a time as this. Now's the time. All right, so Lord, I just thank you for this word tonight. I thank you for what you're doing. And as we pray for people tonight and, and have some time of prayer in the altar, Lord, I just thank you for fresh anointing. I thank you, Lord, for a significant, fresh move of God in every life. But seal this word in us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, just go ahead and close that.